Beyond the Fence Line, a podcast brought to you by the Texas Agricultural Land Trust. Created by landowners for landowners, we're proud to play a role in conserving the Texas legacy of wide open spaces. Welcome back to Beyond the Fence Line. I'm James Oliver, TALS Director of Engagement. Today, I've asked Aaron Clark, TALS Director of Land Conservation, to join me in having a conversation about what it means and the steps that can be taken to take a phased approach to conversation easements. Thanks, James. Great to visit with you today. Aaron, this month seems like a really good time to cover this topic with the holiday season right on us. Uh, we know families will be gathering together and likely will be having some farm and ranch legacy discussions. Yes, sir, it is a good time to have these discussions. You know, you know that uh, you and I have worked across the landscape and we've been educating private land stewards about conservation easements. And uh, one of the misconceptions we often hear is the idea that it's kind of an all or nothing situation when it comes to protecting land with a conservation easement. You know, have, having to put all their property in that conservation easement, which uh, you and I know just isn't true. Um, again, you know, it, it happens quite often. And for example, uh, you know, we'll have have a landowner that has a very sizable property and for a variety of reasons may decide, hey, you know, for, for us, for our family, for, for our objective, it just doesn't make sense to put the entire place in. And, uh, you know, with a conservation easement, that flexibility will allow that landowner to, to do that very thing where they're not required to put every acre they own into it. Well, let's talk about the fact that there can be a multi-phased approach and what exactly that entails. For example, options can include what we call a bargain sell easement versus a purchased easement. Darren, can you explain what that approach is for our listeners? Yeah, so it's kind of like what it, just the way it sounds, you know, for, for some families, for some landowners, their goal may be to put the entire property in, but then we have other situations that you know, the, the family says, hey, we don't we don't want to put it all in. But at some point, we would like to have all of the property protected. And so we use what's called a phased approach. Typically, we can do it in two phases, but some of the properties and, and uh, are sizable or the value is really high or just the fact that the family wants to do it over, you know, a longer period of time instead of doing it all at once. And so what happens is um, the family identifies what part of the, the property that they want to do the initial conservation easement on. And then as a land trust, we work with them to identify, you know, the goals that they have that we will include in that conservation easement uh, deed. And we will work to protect that given portion of the, of the property. And then later down the road, as the family decides it's ready to move on to the next phase, then we can go and pick up the next portion of the of the property, or in some cases, the other half. But it, it kind of works in that, that way. Uh, a big reason for that, like you mentioned, you know, when it comes to the difference between a donated conservation easement and a funded conservation easement, that's really the, the the area where we see this come into play. You know, with a donated easement, there's no funding involved. And so uh, th those can get done 
rather simply, rather easily. On a funded uh, conservation easement, it's a little more challenging because most of the land trusts do not have their own source of funding. So it requires them to look out for outside funding sources, typically from the federal or state side of it. Um, sometimes there, there's some other sources out there, but the funding is so limited that uh, for some of these properties, some of these, uh, particularly some of these ranches are very sizable. And with the, the, the value of property in Texas has gone up significantly, that that funding is just not enough to be able to compensate a landowner for the value of the conservation easement. So that's kind of where that funding or that phased approach comes into play. That's one of the, the bigger reasons is to make that conservation easement where if it's going to be a funded one, makes it where the funding level is something that uh, the outside funding source would be able to uh, have the funding to, to cover that. And I, I can give you several examples uh, of, of landowners that we've worked with over the past. Um, typically, you know, properties around the I-35 corridor, you know, within a certain distance, property values are extremely high. And so, you know, landowners that e even uh, even some of the smaller property, you know, 1,000 acres, when you go through the appraisal process and that value comes out of that conservation easement, I mean, we're talking significant money. And because of that, uh, we've had to work with the family to possibly do the phased approach. And secondly, what it does, because those funds are, you know, limited, both the state and the federal uh, opportunities that, that are there, they go through what's called a ranking process. And it's just a way to determine, you know, which which property uh, has, a, has a greater need for protection. And when you do that and you go through that phased approach, once you get that first one, then the second one becomes even more competitive because now it's adjacent to a protected property. And it's adjacent to one that, you know, typically could have been funded by uh, USDA or Texas Parks and Wildlife, and it just makes that property more competitive for that funding because you're expanding on a protected area. And so, for lack of a better term, it's, it, it gives you that greater bang for the buck. And so, that's one of the reasons why uh, we often look at using that phased approach. And I know, James, you've worked with landowners over the years. You, I'm sure you've got some, some examples that you can share. Yes, sir. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, there is one in particular. It's a sizable ranch. It's probably 10,000 acres, um, and it's in a, a very valuable part of the state. And the conservation easement value for that particular property was greater than the federal allocation to the state level. And so the landowners were willing to, uh, and, and they felt like it was a very, very good idea as well, kind of dip their toes in the pool and try it out uh, to divide it into acreages that better fit our funding, the state allocation of funding. Um, and, a, and, a, and a question just from a landowner's perspective just came to me as we were talking about all of this. What impact would uh, phasing these on an operation have on the portion that's not in the easement yet? Oh, that's a really good question. So, 
Um, initially, what it does, it will allow the you know landowner to have the flexibility on the part that is not under the conservation easement to uh, be able to do you know possibly some other things that they normally wouldn't be able to do because of restrictions and rights that are given up through that conservation easement you know on that protected land. So that that's kind of a biggie, and I think. You know, some some of the families kind of look at that approach that way because they they feel comfortable with the conservation easement, but having not gone through that experience, there's still some unknown on their part. And and I feel that some of them like the phased approach because they go through the first one and they when it, and when it's all said and done, they're they're like, yep, yeah, you know what, this is this is a great thing. We're ready to move on to the next. Yeah, and I feel like the conservation easements that Texas Agricultural Land Trust uh, <clears throat> works on, that it would be a really, really great opportunity to see that a phased easement, the, the, the eased portion of their operation uh, on the ground operates just like that part that doesn't have a conservation easement on it. Anyway, that one just came to mind, but is there anything you else you could add to the process of, of phase conservation easements for landowners? Well, I, I would just say that, you know, the, the main one is usually because of funding limitations, but there's other reasons, like I mentioned a while ago, sometimes they just, you know, because of the unknown, they're not entirely sure what, what they're getting into. They don't want to give up all of those rights or, or the rights to all that property at one time. Um, there's some other reasons. Uh, typically, uh, if, if a landowner is looking at, especially on a donated easement, where they are going to work with their tax advisor to take advantage of the opportunities that are there for a charitable deduction with the IRS, then because of the way it's structured, they might want to stagger that so that way, those benefits uh, are available for a longer period of time to, to off, offset some capital gains taxes. Uh, that's another common reason. And then occasionally you'll get a family where sometimes all the family members are not 100% buying in in the process. And for them, they kind of want to step back and see how it goes through. And so... Again, that phased approach allows everybody to, um, manner of speaking, get what they want. So that way, those that are, you know, 100% ready to commit to doing it, they can do that part of it, and then the other part of the family at a later date can can come back and do that. But it it's worked well. The the big thing, James, like we started off this conversation, is that there is a big misconception that it's an all or none thing, and it's really not. So one of the beauties of a conservation easement is that flexibility that's built in there to allow the landowner to achieve their goals. I mean, that's really what a conservation easement is all about. Well, and, and operationally, you could use the phased approach to monetize some of the equity in the lands that you're conserving to deploy that capital to improvements on <clears throat> the other portion of the ranch or um, to fund long-term capital expenditures for the heirs to the property 
and then your whole property is not encumbered by an easement. Correct. You know, and you can even remind me of something else. We have had some landowners that that work with us that will take the, uh, particularly on a purchased easement, the compensation that they get will allow them to purchase adjacent property or property mm -hmm. in the vicinity. And once they acquire that property, then it's essentially a phased approach because now they're going to move over and encumber that new acquired property with the conservation easement. So it just, it gives them that flexibility to protect more property, to conserve those natural resource values. And again, leave that, that uh, legacy on that property in perpetuity. Yes, one of the very first uh, projects I worked on when I came to Chalt involved that and that they bought adjacent property and have been able to add to their ranching operation. Anyway, um, Darren, I appreciate you being part of the conversation today and providing our listeners with some great information to consider during their future of the land and, and family heritage discussions over the holidays. Um, and we hope to hear more from you soon. Well, James, thanks for having me on. And uh, I certainly appreciate what, what you've had to share you know, with our listeners as well. Thanks again. And thank you to our listeners for joining. Catch us next time on Beyond the Fence Line. Beyond the Fence Line is brought to you by the Texas Agricultural Land Trust, dedicated to conserving the Texas heritage of agricultural lands, wildlife habitats, and natural resources. Find out more at txaglandtrust.org.